Today, um, we continue our series on solid ground. And it's just going through some aspects of what it is to stand on solid ground in God and what it is to, to be in Him. And um, I want us today to look at faith. And actually entitled today, Faith and Patience. Now, we don't often put these two things together because, you know, faith is now, right? You know, the verse says, now faith. It doesn't say it up there, but it actually does in the translation. It says, now faith. You know, and it's not like now faith, it's now. Faith is now, right? All right, turn the person next to you and tell them how good looking they are. Now turn back to the other person and say, God's got something good for you. So you better listen. Or you're going to miss what he has for you. Tell him that. Say to yourself, God has something for me today. Oh, gee, okay, let's all stand up. This is ridiculous. It's not cold, so I know it's not there, right? Hannah, why aren't you standing? That's all right. All right, turn the person next to you and give them a big hug. All right, feel the blood flow now? All right, let's pray while we're standing. Father God, we thank you you're an awesome God. We thank you that you have a word for us today. Lord, a word that is alive, a word that brings change, a word that brings healing, a word that brings freedom. Lord, a word that brings release. So I pray, Lord, each one of us, that we will be open to what you have to say to us. Lord, help us to put aside our preconceived ideas. Help us to put aside the things of this world. Help us to put aside our old way of thinking. That we can enter into everything that you have for us. That we will know the truth of your word today. Father, I pray that you will make my words be your words. That I'll only speak the truth of heaven, Lord that you will speak through me, Lord, that we may leave this place more like Jesus. We want to bless you and we want to honor you in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. We awake now? All right. Let me ask you something. Have you ever believed God for something that didn't happen? And you kept believing and you kept believing and you kept holding on and you're praying and you're praying and you're sitting there, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Lord, I believe, I believe, I think I believe, I'm trying to believe, I'm doing everything I can to believe. I don't know what I'm doing. Ever felt like that? And you're going, what's going on? And it doesn't happen. Or it doesn't seem to be happening. Or it doesn't look like it's happening. Or it's not happening the way you thought it should happen. And you get discouraged. And you feel down. And you think, man, does this Bible really work? Does this believing stuff really work? Does this God stuff really work? You know, you're okay with salvation. But everything after that, you're not so sure. Ever felt like that? And you're trying, and you're trying, and you're, you know, you feel like Basil the Brave. Have you seen that show? Where he's trying to squeeze out a grape. You know, he's like... And nothing happens. And he keeps trying to squeeze it out and squeeze it out. 
And then the vine says to Basil, you don't have to squeeze it out. Just be connected to me. All right? Don't you really hate it when you're feeling like you've been believing and that doesn't happen and then you rock up to church and the guy says he's preaching on faith? And you just want to get up and smack him around the head. Ever felt like that? I do. I get in my car and I have a you know a CD of some message preaching or something, or and he starts talking and it's like, yeah, I just got to turn that off. I'm sorry. What happens when what you're believing for doesn't look like it's happening? What happens when what you're praying for? And it's just, you know, the now faith just ain't now. Because you're not seeing it. Yeah, you could be looking for a job. You could be looking for financial breakthrough. You could be looking for healing. You could be looking to improve your spouse. Or maybe get a spouse. You want to see the change. But before I go through how you navigate that in faith, I want you to know that there's a price to navigating through that to actually seeing what you're believing for. Because even when it looks like it's all over, the funny thing is it isn't over. And the Bible is full of people who have got to the point where it was all over. Everything that they could do Everything they could believe, it was at the end. I have a sermon called But God. And it talks about these guys who get to that point where everything is totally impossible. But all through the Bible, it actually says, But God. I want, to, I want you to walk away today with how you get to But God. But let me tell you that we're getting to But God is not an easy journey. But God takes perseverance. But God, you know, probably the best way I can illustrate it is if, if, I was, if I had a job at Hungry Jack's and nothing wrong with working at Hungry Jack's. Never worked there, but, you know, I'm sure there's nothing wrong with working at Hungry Jack's. And if I was there for 20 years, flipping burgers, serving on the till, and I rocked into church on Sunday and I went, you know what? It's really annoying that, you know, in my job it just doesn't pay me enough to, to take care of my family. It doesn't pay me, pay me enough to be able to go and buy a house. don't have enough money to get myself a decent car. You know, just, my job just doesn't pay me very much. Now, if someone came to me and said that, in all my infinite wisdom, thankfully God has all the infinite wisdom we need because, you know, mine's a bit short sometimes, I would say to the person, well, have you thought about changing jobs? been there for 20 years, I reckon you've given it a good go. Have you thought about maybe changing jobs? Have you thought about maybe, you know, getting yourself some sort of qualification? And if this person said to you, well, I don't have time. I don't have time to fill out all the applications for new jobs. I'm just too busy. I don't have time to, to get myself any other qualifications than anything else. I might say to them, okay, what do you do with your time? 
oh, every night I'm busy, you know. Monday nights, NCIS, I can't miss that. Tuesday night, cheap video night. So I always like to pick up a couple of good videos, you know. I'm just so stressed out and tired after my day at work that, you know, I just don't have the energy when I get home. Now, what would you think of that person? My thoughts are, I can't help you. I can't help you. If you're not going to do what you need to help yourself, I can't help you. If you're not, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you know what? You get the same result. I know it's phenomenal that. But if you keep doing the same thing, you keep getting the same result. What you put into something is what you get out of it. You know, if I put a bowl of tomato soup into the microwave, it is not going to come out when it dings as a roast dinner. It's still going to come out as tomato soup. Quite incredible, that, isn't it? But you know what I've also discovered? If I put a cold roast dinner in the microwave, it still comes out as a roast dinner. It doesn't come out as tomato soup. What you put in is what you get out. Now that doesn't sound like a faith statement, does it? But it is. Work with me on this. Because you see, when it comes to, when it comes to faith, what you put in is what you're going to get out of it. If you spend all your time sitting in front of the TV, rather than putting God's Word in, you're going to have TV faith. If you put all your time into reading books rather than reading the Word of God, you're going to have book faith. What you put in is what is going to come out. The Bible says that over and over again. And your life says that. What you have put into your life is where you have come out to now. If you don't like it, you're going to make that change. During October, Dale and I said, you know, we don't, we don't watch that much TV. So we said, you know what, for October, we're not going to watch TV at all. We're not going to watch anything. No TV. Now, I broke it slightly because I watched um, about an hour of cricket a couple of times with Ben, just so I could hang out with Ben. We chose October because it was the low sport month. No, not really. That was just God blessing us because we chose that. Then I realized that and I went, and Ben said, oh, there's no sport on this month. I went, yes, choice. But we spent the month not watching TV. Now, we don't, I don't think we watch a lot of TV and we don't watch a lot of TV. But I was amazed the amount of times at night I went, oh, what am I going to do with myself? You know what we did? Started reading. Started praying together. Just more than what we were before. Started listening to some good stuff. Started going to bed earlier. It's amazing how going to bed earlier made it easier to get up in the morning. You know? We've started running together in the mornings. So now I have to get up earlier so I can have my time with God so we can go for a run. But that's not so bad because now I'm going to bed earlier. But you know what? My faith level jumped like this. 
my faith level increased. Why? Because I was putting more good stuff in and less rubbish. And you know what? didn't miss the TV at all. Didn't miss a bit of it. And I thought about it, I thought, you know, I can't tell you what was on TV a year ago. I can't tell you what happened. I mean, we, we, you know, the TV, you know, we've got a re- hard disk recorder, so I was recording stuff throughout that month and just stuff that was on automatic record and some of it I hadn't deleted. And, and I went through the other day and I was having a look at some of it and a couple of shows came up and I thought, I've seen that episode. And I only saw it like about four months ago. And I couldn't remember what was in that episode. Now, I've got a pretty good memory, I think. I'm going, and Dale said, that's the one about this, this. And I'm going, oh, I can't really remember that, you know, what it was about. It shows how important it is. And how irrelevant it is. But I can tell you what I read in the Word of God four months ago. Because that changes my life. If you want to break through the faith barrier, you have to change what you do. You have to stop what you're putting in and start putting in the Word of God. Someone says to me, you're getting fanatical now. Well, I hope so. Because if you look at Jesus, he was a bit of a God fanatic. He didn't watch any TV. Neither did his disciples. They didn't even listen to the radio. Probably because there weren't any, but you know. But look at them. They were radical fanatics. They were involved in hanging out with God day and night. That's a bit fanatical, isn't it? And yet we look at the things that they did and we go, wouldn't it be great to see those today? Wouldn't it be great to raise people up who are dead? Wouldn't it be great to see people who are sick and see them miraculously healed? Wouldn't it be great to rock out after church and have one bun and a piece of bread and just, you know, start pouring them out and then suddenly everyone's got enough food to eat and take home as well? We can feed the whole neighborhood? Wouldn't that be cool? Because that's what Jesus and his disciples did, isn't it? Why? Because they were fanatics. They were obsessed with God. They took a lot of time to be with Him. And I know you're sitting there going, but I just don't have time and I just need to relax. Let me give you some perspective. I work full time. I also pastor a church. I also have six children, a son-in-law and a grandchild. Involved in a couple of district councils. And a few other things around the place. If I have time, you have time. It's a choice. It's a choice. You've got to put the stuff in if you want to break through the barrier. So let me talk to you about how you break through the barrier now. What sort of stuff you're putting in and the difference it makes, yeah? I want to run through... I actually have five points. I even have A, B, C's and D's and things all through my notes. Which sounds like a lot of preaching, right? So I'm going to go through it very quickly. Because this is a bit like the five points of faith. How to be a person of faith. How to live a life of faith. Everybody's got a measure of faith, right? 
Because you can't know Jesus without a measure of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to believe in God and accept him as your Lord and Saviour. If you haven't done that, we'll talk about that at the end of the service. That's cool. But if you've done that, you have a measure of faith. What we need to do is increase the measure. Well, actually, just get it working for you because Jesus said you've got the faith the size of a mustard seed. The mustard seed is like, it's like, you know, one of these, it's smaller than one of these dots down here where they've nailed these boards down. A mustard seed's tiny. He says, you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to go and jump into the sea, and it'll do it. So you don't need a lot of faith, you just need to know how to use your faith. And one of the keys in using your faith is actually changing the way you think. Because you see, you have been conditioned over the years to think a certain way. You have been raised in your lovely families, in your school life, in your home life, in your TV life, in your world life, to think a certain way. Now Satan is described as the prince of this world. So if you have been trained in this life of doing things, then you've been taught how to think like Satan does. You can't do this. You can't do that. It's all impossible. God doesn't love you. He wants to throw things at you. He's waiting for you to mess up so he can punish you and discipline you. And so on and so forth. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God is love. That God thinks you're awesome. You're so awesome, he sees you the same as Jesus. Do you know that? As a child of his, he sees you the same as Jesus. Now, you're not God. You're not Jesus. But he sees you as his heir, the same as he sees Jesus as his heir. It says we are joint heirs with Christ. So he's like my children. They all have the same rights to, to all that I have. You have the same rights to all that the Father has. The Father wants to treat you the same as he treated Jesus. That's pretty cool, yeah? But you don't have to go to the cross. You just have to die daily. Yeah? There's a whole good sermon on that that I'm not going to preach right now. All right. Let me give you five points, and we'll go through these super fast. All right? And then maybe some other time we'll go through them one by one, you know, because there's probably five sermons in there. But I want you to take away just some really good basic stuff. Have you got your Bibles with you? All right. We're going to go through the Bible. If you haven't got your Bible with you, that's cool. Pick up your phone. It's probably on there. Go through that. If you haven't got your phone with you, then you can listen, and it's all cool next time you can bring your Bible. All right. 2 Timothy 3. Everyone know where Timothy is? Go to Revelation, head left a few books. Just the other side of Hebrews. First point is, you have to accept that God's word is true. You can't compromise on that. It has to be the final authority. Regardless of what is happening in your life, regardless of the situation that's in front of you, regardless of the challenges before you and how impossible it is and how much you've been believing, 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 but you don't been receiving, receiving, receiving. Regardless of all that, 
Regardless of your life, you have to say, first and foremost, the Bible is the final authority and the final truth in your life, regardless of your situation. If the Bible does not match your situation, the Bible is not going to change. The situation has to change. And it will not change if you do not have the Bible as the final authority in your life. It has to be your number one rule in life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture, as in the Bible in front of you, you're holding in your hands or looking on your phone at, is given by inspiration of God. So God inspired it. It is profitable for doctrine. In other words, for knowing stuff. For reproof. In other words, getting told off. Getting corrected. For correction. For knowing the right way of thinking. See, we read this correction and we think, oh, God uses it to beat us around. <laughs> Do you know what he uses? He says it's the Bible he uses for correction. Not sickness. Not difficult situations. You will not find anywhere in here where God says, I will discipline you by throwing things at you, by giving you sickness, by giving you poverty, everything else. You know, you know who corrects you? He corrects you by his word. Because I don't know about you, but when I mess it up and then I'm reading the word of God, I feel mightily corrected. I feel pretty bad. Because I read it there and I go, man, I missed that. Because his word is powerful. It's what he created the universe with. It says, in the beginning, God. You know what the Jewish word for God is in that passage? Blessing. In the beginning, the blessing. Isn't that cool? And all he did was speak, light be, and there was light. That same word's in here. And when it speaks into you, it brings correction, doesn't it? It brings reproof. For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything you need to know is in here. It has to be your final authority. It is given by God. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through truth because your word is truth. Now let me make really clear the difference between fact and truth. All right? Fact may be my leg is falling off, my eye is missing, my hair is falling out, whatever the, the fact is in front of you. Fact may be, you know, there is a difference between fact and truth. Fact is right now, it is a quarter past 11. In two minutes time, is that fact going to be true? Why not? It's a fact, isn't it? What's different? What's changed? Facts change. Don't they? Truth doesn't. The truth of God does not change, but facts change. So you may say, the fact is, my throat feels really sore. But the truth is, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed and made whole. In fact, it says that you were healed 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross and took all your sin and sickness. First Peter 2.24 says that. 
It says that by the stripes that Jesus bore, you were, not you are or you're going to be, you were healed. I had to laugh to start this to a guy preaching, and he's, he was talking to a CD, and you see, he was walking out after preaching, and he said, this lady, about 65, since she was middle-aged, 65, walking out behind him, and he says, she was mad as, she was muttering herself, and he says, first of all, she was mad at me, but then I realized that she wasn't. He says, she was so mad, she's muttering out, going, you mean Jesus died 2,000 years ago for my eyes, so I don't have to wear these stupid glasses, I've been wearing my glasses all this time. And I could have been healed because he did it 2,000 years ago and nobody told me. And she wasn't mad as a cat snake because she realized that she could have been healed years before. Because when Jesus died on the cross is where he took all the sin and all the sickness. That's the truth. But you go, but what about the facts? Well, you get the facts to change to meet the truth. Because facts change. Truth doesn't. You get the difference? All right, so you've got to go. First step, no matter what fact you're facing, the truth is God's Word. Does that make sense? And we're going to get out of speaking the facts and start talking the truth. Don't deny the fact. You know, you're laying in the middle of the road because the bus ran you over. It's a little hard to deny that. You don't have to deny your facts, but you need to bring them in subjection to the truth. We'll go through how you do that in a minute. Secondly, if you're coming to God in faith, you need to be absolutely clear about what you are asking God to do. You cannot come to God with a wishy-washy faith. You cannot come and go... Look, say you're asking for a car. You need the car. And you go to God and say, God, I need a car. You know what God's going to say to you? What sort of car? He's not going to say to you, no, you don't. See, that's how we think God is. Oh, convince me as to why I need this car. You're not the Godfather. You're convince me. Show me the reason. God's up there going, cool, what sort of car? What color? Any accessories you'd like? That's how God thinks of you. I know that when we had a car and we were, we were planning a church previously and we had to tow this, I told you the story before, had to tow this big double axle trailer and so we needed a bigger car because the car we had wasn't going to do it. Besides the fact the car we had wasn't running, that probably didn't help. So he went to God and said, God, you can't. He said, what do you want? And I got scared to ask because I was still learning this whole faith thing. Still am. He said, what do you want? And I started to dream a little. He said, dream a little more. And so I went through that car item by item. I said, I'd like, I'd like a six stack of CD under the seat. It was a while ago before, you know, the whole USB stick thing, you know. You know, I wanted tinted windows all around. I wanted a, a bar on the front. I wanted a tow bar on the back. I wanted side steps on it. I wanted this color. And I went through step by step by step. And I said, look, the model I want, because it was the, the top model. I said, I want the top model, but I don't want the leather seats inside because that reacts with um, you know, some of our kids at the time. So I want these seats. And they didn't make this top model without the leather seats. But you know what the car I got? Didn't have leather seats. 
and there was one car. When God provided the money and I went, oh cool, I can go and buy my car, there was one car and it had every single thing I had asked for on it. One car and it was even the right colour. That's God. That's God. You've got to be specific about what you're asking for. God, I want to be healed. What? Going bald, maybe? No? What do you want to be healed of? Growing wrinkles? What's your faith for? Be specific about what you're asking for. You know, God, I need to pay my bills. Which one? I just got all of them. Right? Be specific about what you are praying for. You want someone to be saved? Then ask. I even asked for my wife. I wrote down exactly what I wanted a wife. Let me give you a key here, though, when going to God and asking, is to go and seek Him first. When you push into God, you've got to push into Him and learn to discern His voice. And as you do that, He will drop wisdom into you and say, you need to ask for this rather than that. Because you can't be asking for the wrong thing. And you know what? He will give you the wrong thing. If you have the faith to release for something, he will give it to you. So you need to ask, first of all, you need to know, is it God's time? Because he has timing for everything. All right, And you can get out of God's time by asking for the wrong thing at the wrong time. Secondly, is it God's best for you? Can you imagine some of the things you've asked for if you've got them? Wouldn't have been good with some things, right? You need to go to God and, and get into his presence and say, I need you to speak to me, God. Now, if you're hearing a voice and you're not sure, you know, is that God, is that the devil, is that me? There's a really simple test. You can eliminate the devil really easily. You know how you do that? The devil, see, Satan sold this lie to all the demons, and there's a whole way of proving this, but I'm not going to do that right now. In that, He's convinced, he's, the way his approach is that Jesus didn't become God in the flesh, so therefore he wasn't beaten by a man, he was beaten by God. Alright? See, it's really important that God became flesh. Because if God become, didn't become flesh, then he couldn't atone for our sins through his death. Right? So Satan's whole thing is, no, God didn't become flesh. I was beaten by God, not by God who became a man. So all you do is, if you hear that voice in your head going, is this God leading me? Is this not God leading me? Really simple thing. All you do is go, do you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? And if it's of God, absolutely. If it's not of God, no. Because Satan will never admit to it. Because that's his defeat. It's a really simple thing. works really well. And you can discern what is of God and what is not. But God doesn't speak to me. God does speak to you. If God doesn't speak to you, then his word is not true. Because he says, my sheep know my voice. So that means he's speaking to you. And he's not a liar. Remember, we've got to say, the word of God is the first truth. So that means he's speaking to you. You just have to learn how to listen. Get quiet. Use that simple test. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and conquered the devil? Huh? 
Seek God. Be clear. James 4, 3, he says, You ask not, and you ask, you don't receive, because you ask amiss, because you're asking for your own pleasures. Now, it's not wrong to ask for things for yourself. What he's saying is, you just want stuff for yourself. You just want to have your, you know, massive mansion and your, your big Rolls Royce and all that sort of stuff, not because you want to build my kingdom, but because you just want stuff. That's not quite how God works. If he's going to bless you, he's going to bless you to be a blessing. And you'll get blessed on the way. It's not bad to have your mansion. It's not, mad to have the, not bad to have the Rolls Royce, but it's bad to have them as your God. Yeah? It's when stuff's got you rather than you've got stuff. It's fine to have stuff as long as you've got the stuff it hasn't got you. Yeah? All right. Number three. You have to change your life to meet God's word. Matthew 6, 33. Are we okay so far? Turn the person next to you and say, we're at number three, we're nearly, nearly finished. There's only five points, we're at number three already. I could seriously go all day on this, but we're not going to. I'll get looks from my wife. Yeah? All right. Now this verse is about stuff. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The stuff, the bit before it is all about stuff. It's talking about the things you wear, you know, basically the things you need in life, you know. So if you need a car, it's talking about that sort of stuff. It's talking about houses, if you need a house. It's talking about the practical things that you need in life, the stuff that you need. And what, what it says in verse 32 is, your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. And he says the Gentiles, or basically those who don't know God, seek after them. They make it their focus in life. But verse 33 says, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or his way of living, and all these things shall be added unto you. Your first priority in life has to be to seek God. And you have to renew your mind to get to that point. It's not one of those things you get up in the morning and go, I'm there. I got saved yesterday, today I'm just seeking God. Some people have that amazing transformation. The rest of us, it's a journey. Because there's a whole world of stuff in there that has conditioned us. The world here has conditioned us. You need stuff. And if you don't believe me, wander on down to gateways with the whole new shopping complex open and see how many people are there. Or even worse than that, go to Ikea. I call the place Stuff Mart. It's full of stuff that nobody needs. And you see people wander through with their trolleys and they pick up this thing and go, oh, that's interesting, and they put it in their trolley and I just want to scream at them, you don't need it, you're going to take it home, it's going to go in a drawer and you'll never see it again. And in 10 years' time, you're going to go, oh, what's this? And it's going to end up, you know, that a good Sammy's are in the bin. It's cheap. It's only cheap if you use the stupid thing. If Isaac was here, he'd say, you said stupid. It's stuff, man. It's full of some good stuff. But 80% of the stuff in, in, in supermarkets, in shops, really, do we need it? How many things are sitting in your drawer? You know, if you want to know things, move from where you are into a smaller house. Put things in boxes and see how long it is before you have to open the boxes. 
That's how much you don't need stuff. How long have you guys been in your house now? 12 months. And I was down there two weeks ago, and they were going through what? The garage full of boxes. <laughs> stuff. Some of it was church stuff, so we won't worry about that. But, <laughs> but they're going through stuff. Because we don't really need all this stuff, do we? But we have a condition that says we have to go. And you walk by and you see something, and there's this, you know, they tell a story of, um, in psychology, that if, if you put a three-year-old right here, and you could put all these toys around them, and this three-year-old would sit here and might grab a red fire engine, and would sit here and play with that red fire engine. If I get another three- or four-year-old and I bring him in the room, what toy is that person going to want? The red fire engine! Because we're conditioned by the world's way of thinking, if someone else has it, we have to have it. It's stuff. Because we're told to seek the world's way of thinking, as the Bible says, is truth. We seek after these things because we think they will give us pleasure. But God says, no, no, just seek after me. Seek after me. Seek after my kingdom. Seek after my way of living. That's what seeking his kingdom and righteousness means. Choosing to live like God and putting him first. And you know what he says after that? I'll add all that stuff to you. You don't have to seek it because I'll just give it to you. You seek after me and my way of living and what I have for you to do, I'll take care of the rest. And it says that God supplies all your needs in Philippians according to his riches in glory. Not our riches, according to his riches in glory. And this is the guy that uses gold for paving bricks. Yeah? We've got to change our thinking. We don't, have to, we don't have to worry about this stuff. We just have to seek God. All right. I put the wrong word in. I went, what? <laughs> what I was supposed to say was, so when you get your notes, Ken, you can read this. It says that um, you believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The Bible says. God, so I thought I rewired. But maybe we need rewiring too, don't we? But it says he's a rewarder of those who seek him. God rewarded you. He rewards you when you seek him. If you believe, not based upon your circumstances, but upon the word of God. All right. Father, next place is you need to do what he tells you to do. Deal with your stuff. All right? Who here has got stuff they need to deal with? Come on, fess up. We all do. Everybody's got stuff to deal with, don't we? I've never met anyone who hasn't got something to deal with. But what do we do? We want to, no, no, God, you can't touch that. We just. And so we stop seeking God. Because the thing is, you start getting God, God, you start getting into God, you start pushing into more of God. You know what he does? He starts pushing into more of you. And he'll start going, oi, we need to sort this out. And we go, okay, pull back home. We've got a nice safe boundary here. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm looking like a Christian. I'm looking like I'm doing the right thing. I'm rocking up to church Sunday. You know, I'm in my connect group. I even turn up to a prayer meeting. I read my Bible most times. I pray Probably less, but most times, you know, I'm good. I worship God. Oh, that's enough God. That's enough. And we said this. You can't do that. You're going to live a life of faith. You've got to take it all, baby. 
you've got to take it all. And he's going to put some finger on it, but he does that to heal you and set you free. All right, there's a whole thing. We can keep going. All right, so you've got to do what he tells you to do. All right, let's go to number four. We'll be here all day. The last couple, really quickly, really quickly. And no one believed me. Number four, you have to change the way you speak, not just when you feel like it. Who finds it really easy you know, after being praying with the Lord in the morning? You know, maybe when you're walking out of church and you've heard a message and you've been worshipping God, don't you feel full of faith then? Don't you feel like you could take on the world? Don't you feel like that nothing is impossible? And then you get to the car and it's got a flat tyre and a flat battery and someone's broken the windows. How's your faith then? Why didn't God take care of my car? Why didn't he do something? Man, this faith stuff stinks, you know. You know, and while we're at it, God, you know, what about the other thing I've been praying for? And what, suddenly we lump everything in to this one situation. And we chuck everything out. You can't do that. You've got to be consistent. When you're feeling high, be consistent. When you're feeling low, be consistent. Mark 11. Just quickly. I'm on the home stretch. The last point's really short. Mark 11. Verse 22. says... This is where Jesus is a fig tree and he curses the fig tree. He says, die from the roots up. And they come back the next day and it's dead. Now, have you ever seen a fig tree? They're massive. I used to have this picture of this little thing in my head. And then I realized that my uncle had one in his backyard. Because I don't like figs, so I don't hang around them. You know, there's, there's a place in South America where the fig tree is so big, they call it the fig tree restaurant. And they have a full restaurant underneath the leaves of the fig tree. That's how big fig trees are. So we're not talking some little piddly stick sticking in the ground. We're talking a massive tree. Died, boom, overnight, gone. He says, so Jesus says to him, have faith in God. After the fig tree has died. Or have, the, have a God kind of faith. The faith of God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, you'll have them. Now I think we're really good at verse 24, the pray thing. We get in there and we worship God for a bit, and then we get in there praying, and we're praying, and we believe, we believe, we believe, and we're praying, and we're praying, and we're praying, and then we get up and then we deal with life. And we step out the door and we take that first step and, you know, oh, it's raining or it's stinking hot. We get in the car and, you know, the car oh, finally it turns over and we get into work and it's one of those days. And it's like, oh, man. And that faith we felt when we were praying that morning, where's it gone? Someone stole my faith. You know, I've been believing for that new job, but oh man, I'm never going to get out of this job. I've been believing for the new car, man, I'm just never going to get that car. You see, it talks about what you pray, but the verse before says what you say. You've got to be consistent. Pray and say has to be the same. 
And when the pressures of life come, because you know what I can guarantee? They're going to come. You know what's going to come? Everything. It's going to come your way and you're going to go, but I was believing so hard. I was believing, 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 believing. I'm almost believing. I wish I was believing. I want to believe, but it doesn't seem to be believing enough, man. You've got to be consistent. If you can't say what you're believing for, shut up. I said it. So you will remember it. If you're sitting, I mean, what is it about us that we have to say everything that's wrong in our lives? Do we walk in, you know, you, you could, you could cut your toe. And you would, would you walk in and go, you know, my arms are perfect. Awesome body. Great legs. No, no, we walk in going, I cut my toe! Don't we? We love saying what's wrong. We don't say what's right. And then we focus on what's wrong. And you know what happens when you focus on what's wrong? All you see is what's wrong. And suddenly everything's wrong. Isn't it? One person messes things up at work and you know what happens? Suddenly everybody at work's horrible. Except for the person you're telling. That's not what Mark says here. It's in red, so it's Jesus' words. If you can't say the right thing, shut your mouth until you can say the right thing. Because what you pray and what you say is what you will get. And if you actually really believe it, then it doesn't matter what you see. Because certain of what we do not see, if you could see it, you don't need faith. but we're too busy saying what we can see. That's not faith. Anybody can do that. People without faith can tell you what they can see. Do you believe your chair you're sitting on will hold you up? Well, you must do because you're sitting on it. There's no faith there. How do you know that? Because you've sat on the chairs before and we know that's how it works. If you walked in every week and the chair you sat on wobbled and fell over, after three weeks I reckon you'd be going... Wouldn't you? Because you've got no faith in the chair. It's not faith in what you can see. Faith is, in, faith is needed when you can't see. Faith is needed when it looks impossible. Faith is needed when it just is all over. That's when faith comes in. The problem is that's when we drop the ball. Because our world way of thinking says, if I can't see it, it can't happen. If it looks impossible to me, then it must be impossible. You've got to renew your mind. Romans says that. That you are, you, be, you become more like God by being, by trans, you're transformed into his image by the renewing of your mind. And you've got to take your mind and use it occasionally to shut your mouth. Because your mind has got to stop running your life and your spirit has to start running your life. There are times I say to my mind, mind you, shut up, we're following the Spirit on this one. Because my mind says, you can't do that, you can't go there, you can't, blah, 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 blah. The fear rises up. So I go, no, 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 mind, shut up, we're going with the Spirit on this. I said, shut up, mind. Tell it to shut up, follow your Spirit. 
And if you're about to say the things that you know you shouldn't say and you get that check on the inside, but you ignore that check and you go straight ahead, Holy Spirit goes, I can't help you. You know that check that says, don't say it? Don't say it. Because what you pray and what you say is what you believe. And it means that you, well, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. What it means is you need to renew your mind further. Your spirit has to take over more of your life and your mind has to take over less. It has to come in submission to your spirit. You're not, it's not that you don't believe. It's just part of the journey of overcoming your natural way of processing things, the way you've been trained all your life to think. It's like when people come in to my office and, you know, they've, you know, they've been married for 20 years and they, they sit down and they go, we're getting divorced, we want you to fix it unless you can fix it in the next half an hour. And it's like, you've spent 30 years destroying your marriage and thinking a certain way and you're giving me 30 minutes to change it. Now we can change it, we can turn things around, but it's not going to take 30 minutes because we're going to change the way you think about each other. We're going to change the way you process your life. And when you spend 30 years, and it's the same when we come to God with faith. You know, we've spent 20, 30, 10, whatever years it is, thinking a certain way, and we come to God and go, I want to think faith. I read the Bible. There you go, I'm full of faith now. That's what will happen. God goes, no, 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 you've got to transform and renew your mind. And so when you hit that point where it looks impossible, shut up. Unless you can say the right thing. You know, don't sit there going, God didn't pay my bills. He said he would provide my needs. He hasn't provided my needs. This faith stuff thinks, man, you know, you get to work and someone says, oh, man, seeing the price of petrol's gone up. Oh, yeah, I know, it's getting so unaffordable. What are you saying? You are speaking into your life and saying, I can't afford to fill up my car. I can't afford to pay my bills. Or you sit there going, oh man, it's such a migraine. You know, oh, my head hurts so much. You don't have to deny your reality. Don't deny the fact. Apply the truth. Don't sit there going, I can't afford the fuel bill. Someone says, oh man, the fuel's gone up, man. It's getting so expensive. You go, yeah, well, that's life. And then walk away going, my God provides all my needs to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I don't have to worry about that. I just have to seek him. He takes care of that. When that bill comes in that you can't, oh, this is really great. This guy preached me the other week. I think I said it the other week, but you know, he says when he gets a bill and he can't afford, he says, God, you got mail. Because all you have to do is seek first God and his righteousness and he will add all these things unto you. That doesn't mean you go and be stupid and run up your credit card or you know, spend all your money on frivolous stuff of the world, oh, God will take care of it. You need to be a good steward. You need to be a tither. Because he says, I'll bless you if you're a tither. Giving 10% of your income. Because that's like seed that you put in the ground that he can bless back to you. It's his economy. It's how he pays for his kingdom. And you can't go, people go to me, oh, well, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. Because that's your seed. That's your saying, God is first in my life. I seek you first. 
I'm not thinking like the world thinks, says I can't afford that. I am tithing and giving because that is how I get into God's kingdom and put him first in my life. And God says, cool, I'll bless you. But people go, well, I came out the next day and there was no money. Well, give you seed, time to work. I mean, I put plants in my back garden. I don't walk out and expect them to sprout up. It takes time. But what do I do in the meantime? Trust God. Because he will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And shut your mouth. Stop saying how much you can't afford something. And if you do, just repent. It's not over just because you did. God, I'm sorry. I said those things. They're not your word. It's not your truth. Forgive me. I choose to speak that. This is against the world's way of thinking. But it says not to do like the Gentiles do. Not to do like God does. My final point, and I'm really quick on this. James 1.3 says, No, the testing of your faith produces patience. You need to have patience. A guy wrote a book recently called Faith and Patience, The Power Twins. You've got to have patience. Just because it doesn't happen when you thought it was, that's when patience kicks in. All right, You've got to have patience. You need to walk in patience. All right, there's a whole lot of notes there around that, but I'm not going to go there because you know it's quarter twelve, and you know people are going to throw things at me soon. But I want to say to you, go away and think about it. Think about what God says. Think about the words. Go and listen to the sermon again. I'll send you the notes if you really want them. I already have. But go back through and start to change how you think. If you want to see faith work in your life. You have to change the way you think. You have to watch what you're putting in and watch what you're taking out. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us, that you're a good God, that you've blessed us. Lord, I thank you you have good things for us, that you have a plan for our purpose, a plan and a purpose for our lives that is above anything we could ever dream, think, or imagine. Lord, we want to step into your plans and purposes for our lives. We want our lives to glorify you. We want to live lives of faith because you said faith pleases God. So I pray, Father, encourage us. Use your word, Lord, to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to train us in faith and righteousness. That you'll be glorified through us. Lord, I pray a blessing on every person here in the name of Jesus. Amen.